It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. And we are off in defense of the Big 12 is live on this Monday morning. He's Brad Kellner. I'm Tyler McComas. And here we are, baby. It's game week. The game that's ultimately going to decide the conference, the game that's ultimately going to decide who we see in Arlington, Texas. That's right. It's Texas and Kansas live from Lawrence. <laughs> All right. Texas uh, KU week. It doesn't get better than that. Yeah. You know, it's Kansas hate week here in Austin, but I'm not sure if that's a real thing. I'm not sure it's possible to hate Kansas until college basketball season rolls around. Right. I mean, KU is so innocent as a football program most years, but especially this year, they're 0-7. They're also, I think, 0-7 against the spread, too. So they haven't caused a whole lot of problems for anybody in this conference this week or this year. But, yeah, a lot of big games. And, of course, hey, the Texas game does matter, not for the Kansas side of things, but in terms of the Longhorns needing to take care of business to keep their Big 12 title hopes alive. And, obviously, the two other games that will happen this Saturday have a lot to do with what's, uh, what's going to happen over the last couple of weeks of this season. So should be a fun weekend on tap in Big 12 country. Boy, we haven't seen BK in a week, and that mustache is just coming in so nice right now. I'm not sure if he's using just for men on that thing, but it looks freaking <laughs> fantastic for the stretch run of the season, man. Wow. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's scary that I still have half a month left of November to work <laughs> with because I grow this thing every year, right? And, it, and it's in support of men's health. Uh, and I do something through the station through Movember. Cool. We partner with Movember to try to raise money for various men's health issues. So uh, I definitely sacrifice a little bit in the looks department, but trying to make a difference for a lot of dudes out there is the goal. And uh, I'm a little bit terrified to see the reaction of my mother when I go home for Thanksgiving here in a couple of weeks, or I guess a week and a half, she would have tried it on the corner. I don't know if she's going to let me in the house, Tyler. Like I might have to shave outside or sleep outside. It might be one or the other uh, when I go home. But uh, yeah, two more weeks of, this little caterpillar thing growing on my upper lip right now. Uh, only two games in the conference this weekend. Really not a whole lot to talk about those. So we'll do a light preview and get into a more heavy preview on Thursday, which by the way, I just checked the line from one of these games on Saturday and the number has already dropped pretty substantially in the last 24 hours. Tell you about that in just one second. Um, quick wrap up on this weekend though. Tech offensively, man, uh, I, I know that they end up winning against Baylor, but there's a lot to be desired there. I don't feel like Tech fans are very happy with Matt Wells, the play calling they were upset with. Tech is normally a fan base to where it's like, if we go 6-6, six and six, we're, we're pretty cool, to be honest with you. 7-5, and five, we're pretty cool. 8-4, and four, we're pretty happy. 
I don't know. I feel like this is the most PO'd that tech fans have been in a while. You may disagree with that. That's kind of how I'm seeing it right now. No, you know, I was actually with some tech grads on Saturday and I literally had to convince them to put the game on. Like we were hanging out. It was the fourth quarter. I'm like, yo, it's a one possession game. You guys have a chance to win. And they're like, ah, I don't even care. And these guys are like die hard. They went to every game when they were students. They're all about Texas Tech. And look, I I don't think every Tech fan is like that right now. But the fact that some guys who are pretty into Tech football are that fed up with the way things have gone this year, I think kind of shows you where a lot of that fan base is at the moment. They're pretty fed up with what's been going on. Uh, I think David Yost, their offensive coordinator, I think he's the number one target, if you will, for Tech fans right now. Like, I think Tech fans realize that there's no way Matt Wells is gone after this year. And I think the majority of level-headed Tech fans believe that Matt Wells deserves more than two years, especially considering this pandemic and the truncated offseason that he had to deal with this season. Like, he had a lot to turn over once he got there. And to expect it to happen in this short of time, probably unrealistic. So I think the the, the level-headed tech fan, if there are those out there, uh, realize that Matt Wells is going to be back for a year three and probably should be back for a year three. But you talked about the tech offense, man. I mean, they, they don't have an identity. They can't even figure out a quarterback, right? They were switching yeah. back and forth between Columbia and Bowman on Saturday against one of the worst teams in the conference. They've got some serious issues on that side of the football. The play calling has been questionable as well. So if there is a move made with that coaching staff in Lubbock, I think it'll be a new offensive coordinator. And even though Wells loves Yost, right, they came over together from Utah State, I think Yost might be the uh, the culprit of the offensive struggles that have been going on. I, I think you're right, man. And, and that's that's the weird thing. I, it's just You can always count on Tech in the past to at least have good quarterback play. They're going to have a guy that can find open receivers, hit them. You know, they're going to score points. But this Tech team, I mean, Baylor's going to be good defensively under Dave Aranda at some point. But let's not act like they're a top three defense in the conference right now. And Tech's putting up 24 on them and had to have 12 in the fourth quarter just to get to that number. You know, um, they scored, what, 15 against Iowa State. Uh, Iowa State. They scored 21 against Kansas State. So, you're right. They don't have an offensive identity right now. They're not that high-flying bunch that could throw the ball all over the yard. And I think that that's got to be what's most troubling for Tech fans right now. Like, say what you want, even when they were going 5-7, and 6-6, seven, six and six, whatever, they at least had an identity. They were the team that was going to throw the ball over the yard. That's, that's what they did. I don't really know what they're trying to accomplish right now. Are, are they trying to be a team that's better defensively? Do they still want to be that high-flying squad? I, I, I don't know what Tech's trying to do, man. Yeah, I mean, Tech has only cracked 30 once in the last six games. I mean, Jeez. when's the last time you've ever said that about Texas Tech, right? Maybe Whether it's Cliff Kingsbury or Mike Leach. I mean, in our lifetimes, you've never really been able to say that about a Tech offense. The issue has always been on the other side of the football for them. So, yeah, I mean, they got that win over West Virginia, which was a surprise result for a lot of people across this conference. But really, it's since that Texas game, that Tech blew, right? I mean, they had that game won. They had a 15-point lead in the final three minutes. They should have gotten that one done, but they put up 56 in that football game against Texas. It felt like, okay, this offense is going to be really, really good this year, but once again, the Tech defense is going to be the problem. But since then, yeah, they've fallen on some really, really hard times. And I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback, Tyler, because both of those guys, like neither one of those guys is gone after this year unless they transfer. So, you know, that's got to be the goal for Texas Tech over these last couple of games is figure out who the hell your quarterback's going to be going into next year. And, you know, with Bowman, it's been injuries, but also inconsistencies. 
Columbia at first when he took over was looking pretty good, but since then, you know, he kind of sputtered and he wasn't very effective on Saturday. So that to me needs to be the goal for Texas Tech offensively because man, they've got some receivers on that football team. Yeah, they do. Their really O line is yeah. their O line is bad this year, but I think Sir Roderick Thompson's a quality running back. You and do. with Basher, with Easy E, with Keyshawn Carter, I mean, they've got some dudes on the outside that with a normal tech quarterback, they're putting up 40-plus points per game, but they just haven't gotten any consistency from that position, and that's why the offense sucks like it does. I want to do a, a quick case study on, on Texas Tech. You're way more in tune with the high school landscape in Texas than I am, but I know about Odessa Permian, and I know about Midland Lee. I know that players out of there in the past have been Cedric Benson, Roy Williams. I, I know that those teams out there used to win state championships on the reg. And I'm, again, I'm not in tune with it, so I could be totally wrong. It doesn't seem like there's as much high-end talent coming out of West Texas as there used to be. I realize also that that high-end talent from Midland Lee and Odessa we're probably still going to Texas or, or Texas A&M or whatever. But my point is, has West Texas seen a downturn in talent, and has that directly affected Texas Tech's overall talent level? That's an interesting theory, Tyler. I'd have to do a little bit more research to look into that, but I do know you're seeing more recruiting at the high school level than you've ever seen. So sometimes if there is a Cedric Benson or a Roy Williams type of talent from one of those places – one of their parents is getting a job in the Metroplex or yeah. in Lake Travis or Westlake or somewhere down in Houston, right? Like they're they're getting sure. out of there and they're going to be coached by some of the better, some of the more elite coaches in the Texas high school football landscape. So that might be a part of what's going on. But yeah, Tech has really struggled on the recruiting trail. I mean, they've got the ninth ranked class in the Big 12 right now, I think 72nd in the country. So they're not getting a whole lot of talent. And, and a program like Tech, I mean, they're not going to recruit well out of state, right? They've got to get their talent here in the state of Texas. Obviously, you'd think West Texas because that's closer to where they are. But, uh, man, they're, they're struggling. I mean, they've got a lot to compete with. you got to compete with the bigger schools in the state and also the elite talents going all over the country. So, yeah, it's been a struggle. And I, I don't know if reinforcements are, uh, are really on the way for Matt Wells and company. At least it doesn't look that way on paper right now. Other game was West Virginia and TCU. West Virginia wins that pretty handily, 24-6. I mean, that's a dominating performance for West Virginia, about as dominating as, as they can look with the team that they have this year. Um, they're, they're still salty. West Virginia is still a salty little squad. That'll be a tough game for Oklahoma coming up here in a couple weeks in Morgantown. But TCU offensively, man, just it, it just seems like since Trevon Boykin left, they consistently have just been – an offense that's not very good. And I just, I, I, for the life of me, I can't understand why Gary Patterson won't turn the page and just look for another OC that's not named uh, Sonny Cumbie or, or Doug Meacham. You know, it, it just, it, it really feels like it's holding back their program at this point. Yeah, it kind of feels like football has passed those guys by a little bit, doesn't it? I mean, at the yeah. start of the last decade, those guys were innovators, right? They were revolutionaries with what they were doing on offense. But, I mean, that thing is stalled out. Unless they're playing Texas, they can't get anything going on the offensive side of the football. And, man, you know, before this show today, Tyler, I looked at uh, I looked at the official Twitter account for TCU football, and they didn't even tweet out a final score from the game <laughs> on Saturday. Like, their last tweet was after the third quarter when they were down 17-6, to six, and they're like, oh, we're still fighting. And then there was no tweet after the game. It's like they're they're, they're – 
I mean, that's embarrassing in itself, but it's like they're trying to avoid the fire this guy type of tweets. And I did look at like Frogs of War, which I think is the SB Nation affiliate for yeah. TCU. They do a really good job covering that program. And, and a lot of the replies from TCU fans were, it's time for a change. Not only with Meacham and Cumbie, but there are folks who are maybe ready to move on from Gary Patterson as well. And he's been there for two decades. He's got a damn statue uh, in front of Amon G. Carter Stadium. I mean, far and away the best coach TCU has ever had and probably the best coach TCU will ever have too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like it feels like that thing maybe has gotten a little bit stale, and yeah. I don't know if it's the majority of the fan base. I got to talk to more TCU fans, but there are some TCU fans who are just ready to move on from all of this thing because, yeah, that offense has absolutely sputtered, and uh, you can't win in this league if you can't score. And TCU is going through that this year. Yeah, um, I, I I still think Gary Patterson can win at TCU. I really do, but someone's got to sit him down and say, look, man, the way that you're trying to win is not sustainable in the Big 12. You you can't score 17 points every week, or in this instance, six, and expect to play good enough defense to win. You just you, – you cannot do that. In the times where Gary Patterson has been good in this conference, yes, they've been good defensively, absolutely, but they've had a game-changer at quarterback. I, I, TCU's backbone – is the the defensive side of the ball for them. That's fine. But TCU is no different than everybody else. You better have an elite quarterback. You better have elite playmakers. You better have an offense that can stay on track with these other offenses in the league if you want to win big. Yeah. I mean, when they split for the conference with Baylor, they they had a great offense. I mean, you've got to put more attention to the offensive side of the ball. And I'm not going to give up on Max Duggan just yet, but he really needs to start making some strides. In, in the passing game. I can't I can't figure out why they're so bad on offense. Like, they've got skill position talent. They really do. And maybe part of their issue is the running back rotation that they implement, right? I mean, they're given seemingly five, six, seven guys carries every weekend. So, you know, we're having those conversations here in Austin. Like, yo, just give, just give B. John Robinson the ball. Like, give your best running back the football. Stop rotating guys in and out every play, every series, just to – keep them fresh uh, like TCU maybe need more Zach Evans but they've got some talent in the backfield and they've got some talent at wide receiver too yeah I mean we know Tay Barber's a good player uh, we know Quinton Johnston the the high four-star freshman can be a good player JD Spielman the grad transfer from Nebraska that guy was setting records up there at mm-hmm. Nebraska and that's a really storied football program and he's doing absolutely nothing this year for TCU so it feels like they have skill position talent but they just can't find ways to get them the ball. I'm with you. Max Duggan has been an issue with his arm over the last couple of weeks. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you, you got to bring in a new coordinator, I mean, to, to find ways to make this work. Because, once again, it, it feels like talent should not be the issue on the outside for TCU, yet scoring six points a game uh, is inexcusable right now. Yeah, and TCU, I'm going to guess, can't afford to fire Gary Patterson right now. And, again, I don't, I don't mm. think that they need to fire Gary Patterson. Yeah. I still think that he's got some good years – left in him, and everybody just wants to fire guys, but who can you hire? And TCU could get a good coach in there, no doubt, but can you get one that's as good as Gary Patterson? I'm not so sure that that's the case, man. I'm really not. No, that's uh, my co-host here in Austin, Rod Babers, who played at UT and played in the NFL for a few years, says, don't throw away your for show for some mo." Right. Like, like you, know, you know what you're getting from Gary yeah. Patterson and he's, he's been very consistent and like, it's guaranteed that you're going to be kind of relevant. I know the last two years 
haven't been great, but it's like it's guaranteed more often than not that TCU is going to be in the top half of this conference, maybe not winning this league, but at least being relatively competitive. Uh, that's the for show. If you throw that away, there's no guarantee the next guy you bring in is going to be able to replicate or top that success that GP has had. And what about for – go ahead, Tyler. Oh, yeah, yeah, just by the way, and, and I don't – I think TCU's a better job than these two programs, but let's just look at a couple programs in this conference as an example. Tech thought that uh, we can just move on from Mike Leach and we can win eight to nine, ten games a year, right? Mm-hmm. KU just said, ah, we can throw away Mark Mangino and we'll still be pretty good. Those programs have never recovered from those. Great games. point. Absolutely great point. And, man – those two firings. I mean, they felt ridiculous at the time. Obviously, there was extracurricular stuff going on in both of those cases with what Mike Mike Leach supposedly locking Craig James or Adam James, Adam James Craig yeah. James's son, in a in a closet in Lubbock. I think and we all found out Craig James was certifiably crazy. Yeah, everybody's like, huh? Mike Leach may have had a point here. And then Mangino reportedly like abusing players. It's like, man, he that felt soft. 10 years ago. I know. When it went down like that. And nowadays, it, it, like people care about winning so much. And I thought people did at the time. They cared about winning so much. It's like, ah, we can get past this. We'll give him a little slap on the wrist, a little reprimand, but he's going to keep his job. Right. And I think you're dead on. I think the egos of those two programs were like, hey, we're here now. This is what we did. Just because one guy did it doesn't mean another guy can't do it too. And you're dead on. I mean, those two programs have never been able to recover from uh, from making those coaching decisions. So I like that comp right there, man. That, that could be what TCU ends up uh, doing. Uh, speaking of Mangino, KU came to Norman in 08. And KU had a pretty good team in 08. Uh, Desmond Briscoe was still there. I think Todd Reesing was still there too. Played yeah. OU pretty close. But I swear, Kansas brought a lot of fans to that game. And I swear 75% of the fans they brought – had T-shirts that were just blue, and it said, our coach is fat, P-A-T, on the front of it. I was like, that might be the coolest damn shirt I've ever seen in my life. Oh, you bring those back, man. Yeah, back when Kansas uh, had football fans, right? I mean, I, I don't blame any Kansas fan for not watching football because uh, the product over the last decade has been horrible, horrible, horrible. But uh, the golden era of KU football, man, that, uh, that 07 run was obviously spectacular. And the fact that, Kansas football won a BCS bowl more recently mm-hmm. than like what 70% of this conference has mm-hmm. is, uh, is pretty spectacular. Yeah, man. Uh, by the way, in defense of the big 12 is sponsored by American betting experts. One of the largest licensed sports and casino vendors in the United States. We have teamed together to provide special gaming offers to all Landry football followers and podcast listeners. Here's what you do. Go to our website, LandryFootball.com. Click on the ad located in the upper right side of the page. You can pick among the gaming sites legal in your state, such as BetMGM, DraftKings, FanDuel, and PointsBet. Sign up and instantly receive an account deposit match or risk-free bet from $100 to $1,000. It's that easy. Just go to LandryFootball.com, click on the ad located on the upper right side of the page, and get in on the action with a special offer from American Betting Experts. We also uh, would love some comments. Hit us up in the comments section. Love questions, comments whatever you got uh, for this week in the conference. As I was looking at spreads yesterday, OU opened as a nine and a half point favorites over Oklahoma State. It has now dropped to OU minus seven and a half. Wow. And I'm a little surprised about that, to be honest with you. Because we'll do a light preview today. We'll get back into it Thursday. I don't know. Maybe I'm totally wrong about this. I just, I feel really good about OU's chances in this game. I really do. 
the history of Bedlam, how it's went down. I think OU's hitting its stride right now, playing its best football of the season. I can't say that about Oklahoma State right now. But you do have to acknowledge that this is the best team that OU's played up to this point of the year. There's, there's, there's no doubt. Yeah, it feels that way. What's the, uh, what's the Gundy record against OU? Two and thirteen. Two and thirteen. Yep. Two and thirteen. Yeah. I mean that rivalry. Hell, it's hard to call it a rivalry, right? It's been one yeah. so one-sided over the years. And even though Oklahoma State is in the midst of one of its best eras of college football, uh, let's not forget the very legitimate 45 national championship that that's they, right. That's right. they have. And they won't let you forget, too, because it's uh, all over Boone Cookin Stadium <laughs> under that massive scoreboard. Oh, hey, they made T-shirts said, the state's first national championship, just to oh. piss you fans off, man. I mean, that, does, does that, that work? Even, it, does that even piss you all off? Like, I would just laugh. Like, knowing, knowing that my team has seven pretty legit ones and they've got one pretty illegitimate one, uh, I mean, my God, I mean, you're really going to try to claim one away from Army? No, that's okay. Our Army was just fighting World War II out there. Not yeah. not a big deal. I mean, for God's sake. That's, that's a hilarious bit right there. Yeah, I'm it, with you, though. I mean, it, it, it feels like, obviously, both teams coming off a of bye week, but going into the bye week, it felt like these two teams were trending in opposite directions, right? I mean, I know Oklahoma's previous three games were against three of the worst teams in this conference, but they had played three very complete football games in a row in Fort Worth, in Lubbock, and then the game against Kansas last weekend. And then Oklahoma State, uh, they've struggled. They've fallen on some hard times, right? I mean, their last two games, the loss to Texas in overtime and a game that they really should have won, uh, but so many self-inflicted wounds, the four turnovers, the roughing, the punter penalty, which basically felt like a fifth turnover for the Cowboys. And then their game in Manhattan last weekend in which they were down 12 to nothing. And I mean, Will Howard just gifted them the football game. Yeah. Right. So it feels like, and I know Texas and Kansas state are once again, they're, they're better than the three teams Oklahoma has played as of late, but it feels like those two teams are trending in the opposite directions. And, and right now the questions we had about OU early on, and really even after the Texas game, uh, it feels like those are starting to get answered. And, and the questions are, are rising there. There's more of them and they're becoming louder for Oklahoma State right now. So, you know, I, I guess anything can happen, but I'm with you, man. I, I feel like Oklahoma's going to win this game by multiple scores, and I would lean early on. I would lean that they'll cover that seven-and-a-half number. Yeah, I picked early Monday last week, 38-20, and normally my score fluctuates quite a bit as the week goes on, but I feel like I feel like 38-20, again, I, I feel like this is a close game in the first half, but OU just finds – two, three more plays, and they're able to break it open late. I just – I don't know, man. I, I feel like I've seen this game just so many times. Because I have seen this game. We have seen this game so many times. And when there's a lot of pressure uh, in Bedlam for Oklahoma State, when there's a lot on the line, they don't win those games. The Bedlam games that they win is when they don't really have anything to lose and they're just kind of going balls out and trying hmm. to make their season – with a big giant win. I, I guess the last time they won was 2014, and that's a great example. You know, they're just the, – the season, in a lot of ways, is already over. They're just trying to get to bowl eligibility. They're five and six coming in the game, and they figure out a way to win that game, right? So, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel really good about OU's chances. Spencer Rattler did take a hit against Kansas. He should be good to go, just a, just a bruise. Yeah. Um, and then, of course – and then, of course, Stogner as well has a deep bruise as well, but he should be good to go too. So OU is going to be pretty close to full strength. 
I was a little bit surprised that Spencer Rattler came back in that game against Kansas, right? I mean, when he got hurt, technically the game wasn't in hand, right? I mean, it was still, what, second quarter when that injury happened. So I I guess if you're Lincoln Riley, you could make the case that it was still a competitive football game, even though we all knew what was going to happen at Gaylord that Saturday afternoon. But I was still a little bit surprised. Like, I know you have a bye week coming up, but do do we really need to get Spencer Rattler these reps right now? No, they didn't need to get him reps. I think that that's all about like, you're fine. All right, go mm-hmm. back in. And I don't want your last memory coming off a of bye week is you getting hit in the end zone. I think it was more like a mentality thing, to, yeah. be, to be honest with you, you know? But I, I, I tell Rattler, like, I, I get it. Like, once you're in the action, you're not thinking about the scenario, but consider the scenario. Don't take that hit against Kansas. If you want to take that hit in the Cotton Bowl or – take that hit in a close game in Manhattan or he'll take that hit this weekend at home yeah. against OSU. Like you live with that, whatever, but don't take that hit against Kansas. No, dude. no, you're dead on. And then meanwhile, like it feels like Spencer Rattler's playing some pretty good football and he's figuring yeah. some things out and going through the ups and downs of a freshman season. Feels like Spencer Sanders is, is going oh, through some man. struggles, right? I mean, the turnover issues he had against Texas, uh, didn't do a whole lot. I mean, barely cracked the hundred yards passing against K state last time outs, it feels like that guy hasn't quite taken that step that Oklahoma State fans wanted him to take. And the OU defense is playing pretty well right now, right? I mean, they were looking really, really bad early on. But, you know, we talked about the injection of Ronnie Perkins back into that starting lineup. It feels like that Sooner defense has new life. And if Spencer Sanders – I mean, look, Oklahoma State's going to try to run the football, right? I think Chuba Hubbard's going to be good to go after leaving the K-State game with an injury. But Chuba and L.D. Brown, that's obviously a great combination, but you can't – be fully one-dimensional and expect to beat Oklahoma at their place. So you're going to have to get something out of Spencer Sanders. And over the last couple of weeks, I'm, I'm not sure we've seen enough to feel really confident if you're an OSU fan. When's the last time we've seen him play like a really high-quality football game? And I'm being serious here. Was it his first start against Oregon State? Because I know he threw for 400 yards against Texas, but there were a lot of mistakes in there, man. Some, yeah. some really big mistakes by Spencer Sanders. I, I don't think that he's played a – he hasn't played a football game this year to what we thought that he was going to be this season. He hasn't lived up to that this season. His last like high quality game may be his first start last year against Oregon State. Seriously. Man. Yeah, I'm I'm like looking at his game log right now. And you might be right. I mean, they they did play McNeese State a couple of weeks after Oregon State. And he was 12 of 18 with for 250 and three touchdowns, no turnovers. Also 51 rushing yards as well. So you could throw uh, the McNeese State Cowboys in there if you want. But, yeah, I mean, the turnover issues, like we talked about that last year, right? Huge problem for Spencer Sanders. But the hope was, okay, he's just a true freshman. Those things will go away, but they haven't really gone away. And, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, he has not played a super complete, anywhere close to mistake-free football game here in 2020. Obviously, injuries took away a couple of games from him early on, but – yeah, no, he's uh, he's got to turn a corner. He's got to play one of, if not his best game as an Oklahoma State Cowboy for the Cowboys to have a shot this weekend. Well, he's going to have to outduel Spencer Rattler. I, I think that that's pretty fair to say. And judging by recent performances, it's not a great chance that that's going to happen. He can. I mean, he he can. I mean, he's allowed to play well on, on Saturday, but he's going to have to be able to use his feet to make big plays. Yeah. He, he can't turn into a pocket passer. Oklahoma State's offensive line, who struggled this year, is going to have to play their best football game against an OU defensive line that is just feasting right now. 
But it's it's all on Spencer Sanders, man. And how confident are you if you're an Oklahoma State fan about that? Uh, I'm not so sure. Not I'm so just, sure. I'm just glad it's a night game, Tyler. I'm glad they're not sticking this in the 11 a.m. window, right? I think all the yeah. biggest games should be in prime time. Uh, 6.30 under the lights on ABC. Does that mean it's Fowler and Herbie on the call? Uh, I haven't seen the broadcast details just yet, but game day is there, so that may be the case. There you go. Yeah, it's got to be. I didn't even How realize game day. For you? I didn't realize game day was going to be there. That's cool. I I totally missed that. It's uh, the yeah. first time ever, first time ever, that there's been a night kickoff in Bedlam in Norman. Really? Yeah. That is okay. That's weird, that. isn't it? And this year, too, of all years, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's like a down year for OU in terms of what they're playing for nationally, and a down year for the conference. I mean, I guess Oklahoma State—they only have one loss, so they're technically still in the college football playoff conversation, even though I think I nobody really believes that they are. Uh, but yeah, I guess that—I uh, don't know—it's a weird year in college football. I'm trying to think what other game. I guess the Ohio State Indiana game is the other ranked v ranked matchup that we have coming up on saturday also wisconsin northwestern but i think uh, bedlam is the better choice yeah of that game so nice that'll be fun i did not realize it's the first nighttime bedlam game in norman that's that's pretty cool yep uh texas at ku texas is a 29 and a half point favorite i don't think really anybody ever goes to lawrence and plays well so it's going to be a sleepy atmosphere. I don't know what the weather is going to be like in Lawrence at 2.30 on Saturday, but just go out there and take care of business, Texas. Get to 6-2 and two on the year and keep your Big 12 championship uh, hopes alive, I yeah. guess. Yeah, that's it. I mean, there are some Longhorn fans who are nervous about this game at least being close, right? And I, I think it's Texas fans who have not watched Kansas play this year. I think it's Texas fans who have seen Texas play Kansas over the yeah. last half decade, really full decade, to be quite honest. Like last year here in Austin, Texas needing a game-winning dicker, the kicker field goal as time expired to avoid losing to Kansas for the second time in the last five years. Uh, and Tom Herman has yet to cover the line against Kansas in his three first matchups, his three previous matchups as the Texas head coach. So I think there's a little bit of nervousness going on that Texas is really just going to go out and play four quarters of dominant football and do to Kansas what other teams have done to Kansas and what Texas should do to Kansas. But I'm going to be telling folks in Austin all week long on the radio, dude, this Kansas team is terrible. Kansas is bad. Kansas is really bad. And and their quarterback, there's no way he's playing after that hit he took against OU, right? I, I, I don't know who their quarterback is. I mean, they have three of them. They've played three of them. You're talking about Daniels, who yeah. kind of took over as the starter a couple of weeks ago. But even before that hit against Oklahoma, I mean, he was just giving you all the football uh, seemingly on every single possession. So they're really bad. And, and I think last year's Kansas team, which what won three football games and lost to Coastal Carolina, I think last year's Kansas team would beat this year's Kansas team by 28 points, dude. Mm-hmm. I really do. I mean, that's how much of a difference one year makes. And look, Carter Stanley, he wasn't a great quarterback by any stretch. I don't know if he was a good quarterback by any stretch, but he was adequate enough to go out there. And on any given Saturday, he could at least make you relatively competitive. Texas fans saw that firsthand last year. Uh, None of the guys Kansas is trotting out there is anything close to that. And man, I was optimistic about Les Miles, man. I mean, I, my optimism was like, okay, maybe they'll just show some improvement gradually year by year, and maybe four or five years into this thing, they can make a bowl game, right? I wouldn't, I wouldn't shooting too high. At least I didn't think I was shooting too high. 
and they have just fallen so far off the face of the earth. They are terrible. And you look at some of these guys who like leave Kansas and go elsewhere. How about Khalil Herbert at Virginia Tech, the running back? I mean, that guy first in the ACC in rushing yards per carry. He's averaging like eight and a half yards per carry going into this weekend. It's like, Oh, there's some decent talent that Kansas has accumulated over the last few years. Those guys are just not coached up at all. So it's a really bad Kansas team. Uh, this is one of those games, like the the Kansas loss was what ultimately did Charlie Strong in in 2016, right? I mean, that's what cost him his job. If Texas loses to Kansas, Tom Herman's gone. I don't think there's any question about that. I don't yep. think anyone would complain about that. Tyler, if Texas, if this game is played within single digits, Tom Herman should be fired. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I don't care if Texas wins by nine, right? I don't care if it's if Texas wins. If it's played within single digits, and honestly, uh, there's a part of me that wants to say if it's played within like 17 points, then Tom Herman should probably not have his job back because he clearly is not the coach that you've been looking for. But if this game is played within single digits, then and Urban Meyer really might be out there. I don't care what happens the last two weeks, dude. That is unacceptable. Uh, Baylor beat this Kansas team by 40. And that was the yeah. first game all year that Baylor played. So just, <laughs> yes, yeah. Texas, should, Texas should cover 29 and a half. I mean, come on. Yeah, no, they should. They really should. I mean, that's been an issue for Tom Herman, right? Not just against Kansas, you know, his teams play down competition. And I think his teams are like four, 10 and two against the spread when favored by six or more points. So You've got that going against Tom Herman. If you want to call your cousin out there and maybe take Kansas plus the 29 and a half, but uh, you'd be silly. You'd be stupid. You'd be an idiot to bet on Kansas football this year. You'd be pretty dumb to bet on Texas covering any line because Texas doesn't do that, but you'd be way dumber to bet on Kansas football in 2020. They are that bad. Uh, Real quick, uh, before we get to Farmageddon, some breaking news because we both love college hoops. This is from Jeff Goodman. I don't know if you've seen this or not. The NCAA has announced it will have all the rounds of the NCAA tournament in one spot, likely Indianapolis this season. So all NCAA tournament games are going to be basically an NCAA tournament bubble is what they're going to have this year. Yeah, probably a smart move. Right. I mean, there's a ton of travel that goes on during a college basketball season. And even once you get to the tournament, right, there's a ton of travel that happens over the course of three weeks. Uh, A little early, maybe, to make that announcement, but it's good to have that plan in place just in case we don't get over this thing a little bit more over the next four months. So, hey, as long as it happens, dude, I I don't I don't give a rat's ass, man. As long as it happens, there is an NCAA tournament this year because that's my favorite sporting event of the calendar year. And we did not get one in 2020. So as long as we get one, uh, I guess I can't complain too much. And as a Kansas fan, I still feel like my Jayhawks got robbed, man. I will will take to the grave. I'm like the most pessimistic Kansas basketball fan ever. And I know the team's resume come March, and they usually find ways to blow it instead of uh, winning it all. But it felt like they were the best team in college basketball going into the tournament, and they got robbed that opportunity. I don't think it's going to be the case this year with Kansas, but we talked about it a little bit last week, man. This 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 basketball conference is going to be spectacular. Uh, five teams in the Ken Palm top nine, I think. So, And plus, you've got Cade Cunningham at Oklahoma State. I mean, Oklahoma is going to be a competitive basketball team as well. Like, I, I can't wait for college hoops. I think the first Big 12 games are the day before Thanksgiving, right? Next Wednesday. OU opens up tomorrow at home, so. Shit, never mind. Never mind. I didn't even realize that. So I I think tomorrow. 
Even and Brady Manix at home, so that means he's going to shoot well. So that's pretty cool. There you go. What's uh, what's his facial hair situation looking like? Uh, yours, but a little bit like way lighter. Okay. Yeah. He, Bird. Uh, the blonde. Yeah, he's still uh, what the well, hick it's, from. It's been the most annoying thing over the last four years. It's like, yes, he's white. Yes, Larry Bird was white. Yes, they kind of look like it. Do you have to show it every broadcast? I mean, for God's sake, man. Yeah, yeah. And he's gone through a lot of different hairstyles and facial hairstyles too. So, no, it's going to be fun. Uh, but that's uh, – I had not seen that. So, that's good news, I guess, if you're a college basketball fan. Um, other news, A&M and Ole Miss has already been postponed this week. So, that's the second consecutive game for the Aggies. And they're trying to get in as a one-loss team. Mm. At large team, so uh, it's going to be tough for A and M if they keep on canceling games, and that's who knows what happens in the SEC weekend. Let, let's just hope that no games in the Big Twelve are canceled this weekend, especially Bedlam. That's that's all I'll say. But we do have a comment from Harrison here. He says, "Looking outside the Big Twelve, any comments on the coaching carousel? Looking at Muschamp in South Carolina, maybe Franklin at Penn State and Harbaugh at Michigan." Um. Yeah, I mean, South Carolina's paying a massive buyout right now to Will Muschamp. I, I guess some of the names to watch, Hugh Freeze, Billy Napier, Jamie Chadwell, Rhett Lashley, Luke Fickle are, are just some of the few. Hugh Freeze is going to get an SEC job. Yeah. Whether it's Auburn or South Carolina, he's coming back to this conference. Oh, yeah. No, as soon as I saw that news drop yesterday, I was thinking Hugh Freeze is taking over at South Carolina, right? I mean, unless Gus Malzahn gets fired or a higher-profile SEC-type job opens up, uh, I think Hugh Freeze is going to end up at USC in the offseason. Uh, man, I mean, I think most Texas fans are smart enough. I'm going to make a Texas parallel, right, because we are talking about Will Muschamp. At one time, the coach in waiting here at the University of Texas, back when Mac Brown was uh, was still calling the shots here in Austin. You know, the buyout for Will Muschamp was, I think, $15.2 million or somewhere around there. And the buyout for Tom Herman is like $15.4, $15.5 million. So if South Carolina, who is never in the same stratosphere financially as Texas, if they are willing to pay that buyout in a pandemic year where the economy is in shambles, then you can bet your ass the folks at Texas are going to be able to raise that money if something happens with Tom Herman over the last three weeks. So I don't know if that's what you're looking for, Harrison, and sorry for making everything about Texas, but – Keep that in the back of your mind if you're a Texas fan uh, thinking about a coaching change. Like Will Muschamp, he had some great moments there, had some impressive wins, but just never really got that thing rolling at South Carolina. And the fact that your biggest rival is winning national championships and also beating you like 60 to nothing every year, that doesn't help a whole lot. And your your offense is boring and not exciting and you can't score any points. Like if you're going to be bad, you better at least be exciting. And Will Muschamp yeah. hasn't been exciting. Uh, James Franklin's okay at Penn State. He's got the built-in excuse of losing Journey Brown. He's got the built-in excuse of maybe losing the best defensive player in the Big Ten and Micah Parsons. It's not a good year, but he's got an excuse, and he's done some nice things before. Jim Harbaugh doesn't have a built-in excuse. Um, that team is done. They're lost, and they're, in only, they're only an eight-and-a-half-point favorite at Rutgers this week. They lose at Rutgers, oh. which is not out of the question, and that decision's made, man. Yeah, I'm almost surprised it hasn't been made already, right? I mean, what's the point of keeping Jim Harbaugh around? And even though he's one of the highest-paid coaches in college football, I think he only has one year remaining on his contract after this one. So yeah. his buyout is – I'm seeing mixed reports. I'm seeing anywhere from like 6 to $10 million. So not a lot at all. And I, I guess 
it's probably cheaper if you wait to the end of the season. So that's I, I would guess that's why Jim Harbaugh is going to keep his job or at least has his job right now. But man, they got flat out embarrassed, and that was pretty easy money for your cousins out there. That Wisconsin minus four, four and a half line. Even though the Badgers hadn't played in a couple weeks, and I guess you weren't sure what you were going to get from them. I think we were pretty sure what we were going to get from Michigan. I mean, that team is completely lost, and it feels like they are uh, ready to move on from Jim Harbaugh. And I'll admit, I I was wrong about that hire. I thought that thing would work. I really did. And he never beat Ohio State, struggled against Michigan State, never won his half of the Big Ten, let alone actually winning a conference championship in the Big Ten. So, that Jim Harbaugh experiment did not work out, and now you've got more questions than answers up there in Ann Arbor. we got a few minutes, so if uh, you want to send some comments in here, we'll answer them before we get out. Again, we're back on Thursday, 10 a.m. Central, right here on Twitch. Uh, boy, Farmageddon is, what, 3 o'clock Central? How about that weird kickoff? Yeah. It's in Ames this year. I Look, man, I – Common wisdom tells you that Iowa State's going to win this game, but Brock Purdy could easily throw this game away for Iowa State. His touchdown-to-interception ratio, 10-6 to this year, man. Mm. Arguably been the most disappointing player in the conference this season. So it looks like K-State's done, okay? It, it looks like they're going to maybe lose two out of their next three, but I don't know, man. I'm saying not so fast because the way Brock Purdy's been playing – I think that plays directly into the hands of Kansas State. Yeah, I mean, K-State is a sound football team, and they do create a lot of takeaways, right? And that's been an issue for Brock Purdy, as you mentioned. So, man, it, it feels like Iowa State can't get to Arlington if Brock Purdy doesn't lift his play. I don't think he has to be elite. I don't think he has to be, like, even as good as he was last year for Iowa State to get to Jerry World. But he has to be better than what he's been this year. And maybe not against K-State this weekend, but the trip to Austin coming up on Black Friday. Like, you can't get a subpar Brock Purdy performance and expect to win that football game here in Austin. So, yeah, I mean, the line right now is, I think, 10.5 in favor of Iowa State. I feel like it's going to be around there. I mean, I'm with you. K-State has just struggled, and Will Howard's done some good things, but the turnover issues have been problematic. Uh, It it feels like his decision-making isn't that bad. He's just inaccurate which I don't know I don't know what's worse, right? Like bad decision-making at quarterback or inaccuracies from a freshman quarterback. I don't know what's a more correctable issue there. But it feels like Deuce Vaughn has kind of hit a freshman wall, right? I mean, he was maybe the story of this conference the first month of the season, but his play over the last three or four games has really subsided. Uh, that offense just isn't elite. And then for Iowa State, I mean, they've got the best player in this conference offensively right now in Brees Hall. So – uh, they can just kind of ride him, I think, to a victory on Saturday. Could be interesting, but, yeah, this game lost some luster. I mean, three weeks ago, we're, we're like, circling our calendars, like, oh, my God, Bedlam and Farmageddon the same weekend. Like, hello, those might be two de facto Big 12 quarterfinal-type games right there. But K-State has really struggled since Skylar Thompson went out. And, you know, Iowa State is is fine. Um but I guess they still control their own destiny in the Big 12, so we'll, we'll see. Maybe this bye week was good for Iowa State. Maybe they can make a push here down the stretch. I've got one last question for you before we get out of here. The Big 12 championship game is on December 19th, I believe, and it's scheduled to play be played in Arlington. But is that the same weekend as Texas high school state championships? And if so, mm. how's that going to work? It's a good question. Um, that sounds right, right? I remember having these discussions – when, when the Big 12 announced the or. Like, would they play it like Globe Life or something? 
I have, I have no idea what they would do on that thing. That is a great question. I need to look that up because uh, I do think – I heard somebody float that out there, and I was like, I have not checked into that at all. So Yeah, because yeah, the, the big the, – like the 5A and the 6A state championships aren't pl- being played until January because they started late. But I think the right. 4A state championship is on that on that Saturday like you were talking about. So I don't know how that's going to work. Uh, they've decided on the 19th for sure, right? Like that's going to be... Well, I mean, unless we get postponements, like if Bedlam is postponed this weekend, if something like that happens, OSU already has a game, I think, at Baylor on the 12th. The 12th, yeah. So I, I don't know what you do, man. Well, if Oklahoma State's not in that Big 12 championship, could you play it on the 12th if there are no other postponements? Is that still in the cards? I saw a tweet this morning that says... Big 12 championship tickets go on sale on Friday and the teams are going to be allocated 4,500 per team plus 500 student tickets per side. So not going to be a lot. And I think that's going to be cavernous. 10,000 people. Yeah. Yeah. 10,000 people at Jerry world. That's all you're going to get. I mean, that's way less than 25%. So it's a, it's a pretty small crowd. High school playoffs have more than that. High school state championships there have more. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. They do not even close. So, uh, I don't know. That's a good question. Probably something we should know. Um, but no, December 19th is the official date. So it is going to happen on December 19th. But I mean, maybe they'll just do an 11 a.m. kick for the Big 12 title and then play the state championships later in the afternoon. Right. It's a turf field. So you don't have to worry about the field getting too ripped up or torn up or anything like that. So my guess is that's that's going to be the plan is they're going to play a, a few games on that same day. I I guess so. All right, man, that'll do it for us. We'll be back Thursday, 10 a.m. Central, right here on Twitch. Full breakdown. I I thought that there was a full slate, but there's only three games this weekend in the Big 12. But still, some big football games to talk about. We'll monitor the situation ongoing throughout the week. Hopefully, all the games in the conference are being played, SEC games being canceled left and right. We're not even to noon Central on Monday, and we already got A&M and Ole Miss canceled. He's Brad Kellner. I'm Tyler McComas. We'll talk to you on Thursday in defense of the Big 12 right here on the Landry Football Podcast Network. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.